Hello and welcome. This is the 148th episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Wow, last night was the Oscars. How incredible was that? Oh my gosh, uh, it was amazing to see some people we know, friends of the podcast who were there. Uh, Christy wilson Cairn. shout out to her. Um, you can listen to her episode of how she wrote 1917 with Sam Mendes on episode 143. And that is a fab, fun episode to listen to. Christy was obviously nominated for 1917. Uh, and not far away from her was Anthony McCartan, who was nominated for the two popes. Uh, he is the episode just before her, 142. So it's not that far away. Click down, listen to them. It is incredible. So congratulations to all the winners. Uh, that was quite incredible at Parasite 1. It's just inspiring to know that we as filmmakers have also a chance, outside chance, us outside of Hollywood. Uh, do we really want that anyway? Hey, who knows? Uh, all I know is we just want to keep making films, right? That's what we want to do. And today is another Oscar nominee for screenwriting as well. It is Agnieszka Holland, the fantastic screenwriter and director who has made over 30 films. She's also directed so much TV, including The Killing, The Wire, uh, Trem and House of Cards. She has such an extensive career and it was a joy to sit down and talk to her. Um, she was Academy Award nominee for Europa Europa for a Best Screenplay and she was also nominated um, for Best Foreign Language Film for In Darkness. She has directed so many incredible films. It's just a joy, joy, joy to listen to her. That is coming up on this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a director, writer and uh, producer. And my produced film, A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, is out now. It's still getting amazing reviews. Thank you, thank you, all those who've watched it. And if you want to listen to how we made that, uh, then listen to episode 144 with myself, Staten, Cousins Row, and Poppy Row. Uh, that is Serial Killer's Guide to Life episode. It is out now. Go watch it. What are you waiting for? Let me know what you think. Please do. And my directed feature film, The Dare, will be released pretty much worldwide. Well, if you're not in the UK anyway. On March the 3rd. I don't have a pre-order link, but it is so close uh i hopefully will be going over to la to enjoy the joys of a release um yeah that should be fun i co-wrote that with johnny grant uh it was produced by julian kostoff speaking of screenwriting this week's episode is sponsored by the lovely people at screencraft um they're basically a screencraft screenwriting competition and if you enter and you do well the screenwriters that do well, you are very likely to secure a manager and agent um, because this has happened all the time. And not only that, you could win the competition which gets your work seen by so many producers and people in the world. So screenwriters, go to screencraft.org because at the moment they have their competitions for sci-fi and fantasy, for comedy, for shorts, uh, for horror, for drama. 
uh, and pilots as well as action and adventure. Uh, they also have their film fund. You can apply for that as well. Screencraft.org, where they help screenwriters foster meaningful relationships with entertainment industry executives. Um, a link to that is in the show notes. Also, we've got 10% off Raindance this week. Uh, it is their script analysis for director's course. That is this coming Saturday and Sunday in London. That's the 14th and 15th, I believe. Um, wait, let me just check. 15th and 16th, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, it's a two-day course. It covers how to analyse a script, so you can probably get your story across through direction. So if you're around in London, do go to that. Links to that are in the show notes. But if nothing else, go to raindance.org slash courses. Next week's ep is with um, Nick Powell, the director and stuntman extraordinaire, who tells you all about how to work with Nicolas Cage, because he has done just that. Look out for that one next Tuesday. Okay, I want to get to this week's fantastic, fun, really delightful episode with Agnieszka. Um... We struggled to find a room to record this in, so we had to be in the uh, hotel bar area. So it is a little noisy in the background, but you know what? It's free, and it's an Oscar-nominated screenwriter talking about her brand-new film, Mr. Jones, which is out in cinemas now and stars Vanessa Kirby, Peter Skarsgård, Joseph Moore, Kenneth Cranham, and James Norton. It's a story of a Welsh journalist who breaks the news in the Western media of the famine in the Soviet Union in the early 1930s. Right, here it is, my wonderful chat with Agnieszka Holland. Enjoy. Um, it's an absolute delight to sit with you. Um, honestly, I thought the film was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Um, we're in the Radisson Blue. It's very noisy here. Uh, normally we get nice and quiet, but I really wanted to speak to you because you know I think you're a fantastic filmmaker. I love your journey and your career. So Thank obviously you. we're here to talk about Mr. Jones and what a great film it is. But I wanted to jump back a little bit and talk about um, your journey leading up to that and sort of how you, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it's a very long journey, so I, I don't know if we have enough of time to yeah. talk about it. But we can jump into how it actually started because I think it's really fascinating for our filmmakers mm-hmm. as to how you became, you know, this you know formidable director. Uh, you know, I decided to be a filmmaker when I was 15. 15? 15, yes. What was and it? This, what was it about? Uh, I wanted to be a painter, and I was like pretty talented child. Mm. And then I realized that my talent in like um, um, high art talent is not high enough to do it really well, really to make the impact, to make the difference. Mm. And also I realized that it doesn't express myself entirely that I, I need to tell the stories. I was always inventing stories and telling stories. Yeah. That I'm visual. I, it means the visual expression is important to me, but also that I need to tell the people what to do, okay. to have some power over the people. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking, okay, it means I have to be a film director. Yeah, okay. And I, 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 I started to prepare for that, and then I went to the film school when I was uh, 17, uh, in Prague, I was studying in Czechoslovakia, and then you know, since then, with the, some problems and some interruptions due mostly to the political situation, mm-hmm. I was able to to make my movies first in Poland, then in France, in Germany, in, in UK, in US, um, 
back to Poland um, in Czechos Czechoslovakia and then Czech Republic. So um, in Ukraine recently. Mm -hmm. So I was able to to work as a as a as a filmmaker for um, over 40 years for. Forty-five yeah. years or fifty yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. A long time. <laughs> a long time. Let's go with that. Do you remember your first when you got that first moment of your first screenplay that you started to write, and the first time you you, you got to direct something? How did that feel? Can you remember that emotion working with actors? Of course, the emotions are. You know, they are always not the same exactly because the ex I know that now with the experience I can always help myself. If I'm lost, yeah. But this uh, kind of the of the stage fear that you come on the set and you will be unable to really tell to where to put the camera, where to place the camera, that I had in my lifetime few times. I had it, but it's not mostly. It is that when I'm actually coming on the set, something something becomes. Obvious. It means it's, the choices are not easy, but mm. they are natural to me. Yeah. It means they are coming, and um, and the process of filmmaking, the process of the shooting, especially, is something which which um, which um, wakes me up, which may which which pumps me with the energy and and uh, yeah. and some adrenaline. And uh, I love this process mostly, not always, but mostly. <laughs> um, and I think that um, to, to keep this kind of the energy high, you need to preserve the appetite for filming. And it's why I, in some point, I feel that I maybe do too much. Okay. Uh, changing between, jumping between TV series and, uh, and films. Uh, and um, actually, after the film I just finished, that I will do the break, but unfortunately some proposal you cannot refuse came and probably I will be doing a uh, new new series quite soon. But new TV series? Because you've done yeah, lots of TV series from Trem not, to yeah, The Trem Affair. I did The Wire. Yeah, The Wire. Uh, House mean, of Cards, uh, The Killing. I mean, some huge, huge yeah, credits. Some Polish, uh, Polish TV series which yeah. from Netflix and so, so yeah. yeah Is it a thing that you, you just like to work as well? Because a lot probably of Probably I like to work. Prolific. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, it's always this fear you have when you are the filmmaker, especially international one that in some po and the woman filmmaker which um, is less it's more difficult that the, the pro profession is more difficult than for the man uh, you have this fear that if you will stop maybe or refuse something which is interesting maybe the next Opportunity will not come or will not come soon. Yeah, I think that most of filmmakers are living with this fear. Yeah, absolutely. And you say you feel more the, as a woman filmmaker that that can feel even more stronger. Yeah, it's more the, the world which is not the woman friendly. We know that. And when we are looking at the numbers, how many women are directing the mm -hmm. mainstream movies or mainstream series or are. Um, selected to the main festivals or um, or uh, rewarded by the nominations or Oscars, the, 
percentage is very low. So yeah. yeah, it is very low. Well, in numbers, it's not changing, but in the mood, it is changing. And mm -hmm. the more and more, the, the, the women are claiming, you know, to have uh, more of the voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Some big filmmakers out there making a big difference and they're screaming about it, which is really, really amazing. Because. Um, uh, your, your whole family are involved in film or involved in the world of film as well, right? Well, yeah, it is a, some kind of the clan. Yeah. My ex-husband was a director. Um, but after he moved to opera, he's doing opera, but okay. he started with the movies. Yeah. My sister is a film director, very good one. Mm. My daughter is a very talented film director. Uh, her partner is a film director. And um, uh, my niece just graduated from the film school. And my nephew is um, um, a film composer, and I'm often working with him. He composed the music for my last movies. Mm -hmm. And um, his wife is a singer, but the, his wife's brother is a young Polish, uh, very successful film director who was just nominated for an Oscar yeah. with the movie uh, Corpus Christi. It's amazing. I mean, do, you, do you compare notes? Do you show each other's films to each other? We try to help each other, yeah. And sometimes we collaborate. My, I did several things together with my daughter and she was doing, um, doing the second unit quite often on my films. And I'm helping with her with the scripts or watching the editing or, you know, the... Yeah. Yeah, and all that, which is which is so nice. And obviously, you, you know, you mentioned there about Oscar yourself. You you were you know, nominated for best film, uh, and also your other film was nominated as well. How did that feel at the time for you? Was it kind of finally we got recognised, or did it not matter? No, it always matters. You know, it's, it's it's important because it gives you some some power. It, it makes it easier for you to, to, to finance your next film. But also the film which was nominated has, or if, even better if it wins, sure. uh, has a longer and, and wider career. So it is not only recognition, it, has, it translates to something very practical. So we open more doors then, I suppose, right. for you. Okay. So as filmmakers... Do we try and, you know, look for exciting stories that entice you? Yes, I write as well, but in the last 10 years I wrote, collaborated on the script, but I didn't write my own script for quite a long time. It's maybe because I became lazy or maybe because it's too many interesting stories are coming. Yeah, well, I suppose if, like you say, scripts are coming to you all the time, and they're really good, you don't need to sit and write them. You can rework them as a director, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when you did write, and this I suppose is interesting, what was your process as a screenwriter? Because obviously you've been Oscar nominated for screenwriting, so... Mostly it comes with the story. It comes with, the, you know, I'm a storyteller. Yeah. You have the filmmakers who are more visual, and they are like creating realities and worlds and I'm more, I'm more te telling the story which is closer probably to the Anglo-Saxon concept mm. it's why I was able to work successfully in the United States um, and um, so it comes with the story with something I read in the newspapers or with some story I heard or with some characters which suddenly started to fascinate me mm -hmm. um, sometimes it comes from the book from the literature, yeah, uh, and after I develop it, 
alone or with somebody. Mostly, I invite somebody in the middle of the road to have the part, to have the sparring partner, to mm. have the dialogue with somebody or to work on the dialogues together. Yeah, do you prefer that? Do you prefer writing with other people? Because I yeah, do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I do. Definitely. You know, filmmaking is very like collective work, and you um, and the good director is somebody who uh, ha- is able to squeeze from the people as much of of, of ideas as possible. Yeah. So with the writing, it's a bit the same. Mm. Uh, and I, you know. M- I think that women collaborate well together because they have a little lower ego, or a lot lower ego, and it's why I I, I like collaborate with with women more maybe than with um, with a man. But no, no, it will be unjust. I'm actually collaborate very well with the men also, but the men with with without like macho ego yeah sure. I know what you mean yeah it can't be it can't be especially when you're collaborating with people it's important that you you can't have an ego you've got to work well together and if your idea doesn't work it doesn't work don't take it personally exactly that it's more about not that I'm right but about our project yeah absolutely. to make the baby the best possible absolutely right? yeah when you write do you put do you write it as a sort of a story first and then take scene by scene or do you just mm, write it I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to build up the structure first mm-hmm. story most the story is there it means the story um, sometimes I don't know how it will end or what will be the turning point but you know the story obviously I have it in all in my head mm. and after I try to, to, to make the structure how to tell the story in the most <laughs> efficient way and then I try to put it on some kind of the you know um, uh, visual agenda it means um, it's some kind of the of the of the of the puzzles, you know, which after I try to put together yep. using different colors and different, you know, different things. And after and after I start to write, very often I start to write not chronologically, but when I have this kind of structure, I start with the scenes which are intriguing the most for me or which I feel very well. And after they bring another solution for another scenes and so so. That's the really moment when the moment when it comes together for the first time, yeah. for the first draft. After, of course, you are mostly redoing it and re- yeah. But this first moment when this story comes together, it's it's uh, it's very you know rewarding. You feel really that something was born, that yes. it's something special. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's a magical moment, isn't it? Um, and how did you go from there to saying right now I want to get this made? Not necessarily with your work, mainly, is it you then send that to your agent who will then put that out to production companies or is it you doing it yourself? Um, you mean um, to try to, 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 to make it happen? No, yeah. I, I need producers. Right, okay. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I'm like smart enough and experienced enough to know how to produce the film. But I'm not doing it anyway because I think that it's contradictory with my, with my aims as a director. Mm. I I need somebody who will have the, want to go on the same journey, but his aims or preferences are slightly different, and I don't, and he will be eventually fighting me, but I don't need to fight myself myself, you know. Yes. So um, I think that it's it's healthy for me to have the producer mm. and to to be to be only the director. Of course, discussing the issues or you know methods or 
preferences, but um, but giving him or her this responsibility to put the money together and to organize the process. Mm. So I suppose you, you're putting the trust into their hands to go, here's my baby, go try and make it for me. Yeah, sometimes I'm, of course, disappointed, but yes. you know. It's yeah. alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Mr. Jones then. Yeah, yeah. You Which have the child, you put it to the board, boarding school, and then you hear that the teacher is pedophile. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you just don't want that. It just, it's just no good at all. Um, yeah, let's talk about Mr. Jones then, because it's, it's just a delight. It's a really wonderful film about, you know, it's about the war and everything that goes with it. Um, would you mind describing the film in your words and then I can play the trailer? Uh, it is a story. Um, it's actually, it's quite complicated to describe I know, it yeah. Because, you know, I'm doing the two hours long film and after you ask me in one sentence uh, to tell what it is it's about. It's impossible, but... And yes, and, and simplification is always some kind of the lie, right? Yes. So this is a story of young Welsh uh, journalist. Um, in 1933, he worked also for the um, British politician um, Lloyd George, and he was the one who made the first interview with uh, Hitler after Hitler took the power in Germany. Um, and then he decides that he wants to do the interview with uh, Stalin, so he travels to Soviet Russia. But he knows a lot about the Soviet uh, Russia and about the Germany. He's very well educated, uh, multilinguistic guy who has this nose for the politics which makes him investigate the, investigate the things which are not obvious or see the things which the grown-up big politicians or journalists would like to neglect or not to see. So when he comes to Soviet Russia, he realizes that something wrong is going then and that the numbers, economy, doesn't, um, uh, doesn't um, add together and um, that the problem, something really wrong is happening um, on territory of Ukraine. He traveled there and discovered incredibly widespread famine, which is killing millions of people and which is deliberately somehow supported and made by the man, by Joseph Stalin and his people. Uh, and he think he, he cannot believe in the first moment, but then he makes the travel through the villages, empty villages. He sees the dead bodies, he sees the orphan children, he sees ter- terrible things. And um, uh, decides that he has to spread this um, news, that he has to speak about it. And it is the story of the courage and it is the story of the responsibility of media, of journalism, about the men who wanted to change, to change the world somehow. This is my report on the Soviet question. What's your answer? I don't have one. The Kremlin is broke. So how were the Soviets suddenly on a spending spree? Paul, I need your help. Arranging an interview with Stalin. Garrett, I've been trying to reach you. Go see Walter Durante at the New York Times. Listen, I really need to talk to you. I found something big. You can break the story wide open. Paul? Mr. Jones. Mr. Durante. So why are you really here? I need your help. This is Ada Brooks. She's my star. Paul's dead. Robbery three days ago. What do you want? The story no one is talking about. I saw him. Four bullets in his back. 
and you don't think it was a robbery. What was Paul working on? Ukraine. You know how rich this country is, how vast. South is nothing but wheat fields. Grain is Stalin's gold. Here's the agenda now. I don't have an agenda unless you call truth an agenda. Yes, but who's truth? What will you do when the others come forward? What's being done here will transform mankind. We can still do something. No. We cannot let Stalin get away with this. What do you expect me to do exactly? The Soviet Union is not the workers' paradise that was promised. It is not the great experiment that you read about in the press. Stalin is not the man who you think he is. Are you saying there's no hope? I think what's really interesting about this film is not only the performances, which uh, I think are stunning across the board. I mean, you've got a brilliant array of British actors as well. Right. James Norton, you know, Vanessa Kirby, uh, Joseph Moore, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. How did you get all those people? Because they're hot right now. They're, you know, they're, the moment they're doing really, really well. I know, obviously, you are, so you're the draw, but how did well, you go you about know, it? it uh, I think that the story uh, that the story interested uh, people and attracted them, and also probably like my, my, my myself, because the most of actors who've been um, working on this film knew about my work and, mm -hmm. and was um, curious to work with me. Um, but it started with James. James was the first, and Vanessa came on the on the board very quickly. Peter Sarsgaard, who I love, yeah. uh, also, and the rest it was the fruit of the cast. And, you know, I, I, I love you with Joseph Molly. I think he's very, very special. Yeah, absolutely. He plays George and Orwell. Obviously, I, I, I love James Norton, and, yeah. uh, who is, I think, very wise, very humble, and very generous, talented young man. It's great to hear. How do you like to work with your actors, then? Do you, do you delve into performance? Do you do a lot of rehearsal beforehand? We've been doing some rehearsal, but not so much. We've been more talking about the characters and the situation and telling the stories and finding some kind of the intimacy among us and also the, the deeper inside knowledge of uh, what the story is about and what the character is about. We did some rehearsal, especially with the long dialogue scenes, uh, but the rest, you know, it's difficult to re rehearse uh, this uh, sequence we started with. It means uh, Garrett Jones... Uh, goes uh, through the Ukrainian empty villages. Oh, you started the, there, yeah. right, okay. So it's just you and James a lot of the time in terms of Yeah, focus. that it was some kind of, the, you know, journey into this time for him and for me. Mm. That we physically could feel what the guy felt in this moment. Yeah, which must have been really nice to then bring him back to, I don't know where you shot, where did you shoot the actual movie? Did you shoot the main... We shot it in Ukraine. Um, okay. Uh, Ukrainian part and part of Moscow. Okay. We shot um, the rest of Moscow and part of London we shot in Poland. Okay. And uh, London and Wales we shot in Scotland. Wow, wow, okay. So did you, how long the shoot was it then? Was it kind of over? It was like probably 40 days of the shoot, but it was spread over a few months. And I had also the um, 
um, second unit which had a lot of visual scenes which were important for the yeah, movie very important so um so yeah it was a pretty pretty intense work yeah do you like working with actors i imagine you do mm-hmm. yeah I, I I cannot tell that I, I like to work in 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 the deep snow and oh, minus a lot fifteen of snow and Celsius. It cold. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't enjoy that. But right. you know, by after when it's over, and you look you at it, fresh it, yeah. eyes, you forget how yeah. cold you were. Yeah, I know. I've just been in freezing cold Wales shooting King Arthur, and it was absolutely freezing. And then you look at the sh- the rushes and everything about, and you kind of forget. Mm-hmm. You forget how cold you were at the time. Do you sometimes choose your projects based on where they might be shooting? Because I know you do a lot of war. You've liked to do a lot of that period. You know, um, important Somehow, films. you know, it's it's difficult to say. Some some story comes mostly to me. Um, and starts to fascinate me, and you know, and 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 then in, enters my my system, and um, I'm not like I I would prefer to shoot more contemporary movies, but it's much more difficult to grab uh, the present than to you know to to translate past to the present. Mm. So um, the story of the past, which I'm telling, are relevant for me, and sometimes they are relevant for. For the nation or for the societies, uh, but um, uh, but um, I'm not looking at them that it it's over that it you know it ended and it's over and you can forget it. They are somehow still you know present in our present. So uh, I have impression that that the past is living together with the present. And that the future you have, if you are, if you are, if you are wise and if you are attentive, you can feel the future coming also. Mm. Well, that's very nice. I also think as well that in 200, 500 years' time, if the world is still here, when people look at back at these films, they won't really know what time period it was. They'll take the films as for what they are. You know what I mean? Which I think is lovely because it's in, you capture those moments of magic on screen. And I love that. I love that we can do that, you know, as filmmakers. And you've done it mm-hmm. so well. Um, do you plan your shots meticulously, as in how you're going to set it up? Do you storyboard? Do you speak to your DP a lot? I, um, I, don't, I don't like to use the storyboard too much, even okay. if um, my daughter started as a fantastic storyboard artist. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but um, somehow it stiffed. It stiffs up, you know, the shooting when you have this. You become too everybody, rigid yeah, to follow yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Uh, but I, I do it, of course, when I'm doing action scenes or um, visual effects mm-hmm. or the scenes which are very complicated geographically, that one part of the scene is shot in London and one part is shot in another location. And after you have to put it together as so a one sequence. So then I storyboard. Um, also for the sake of the crew, that the people are not lost. Um, and I like to rehearse first on the on the day, and then and and like decide how to you know how to tell the story through the camera only later. It means um, I have some general ideas, but mostly I'm I'm doing it together with the cin- cinematograph based on the reality of the scene. I see. Uh, of course, when we are doing the scene, like the sequence in Ukraine, is slightly different because. Mm. It, it is something you can imagine pretty precisely. Uh, but when it comes from the interaction between the actors, I prefer to give to the actor the freedom to find their truth. 
uh, and then I'm following their truth with my truth. Wow, I like that. So, in other words, you'll be on the day you can find something new or how the yes. actors move in the yeah, space. Yes, inspiring. I'm inspired yeah. on the day by the space and the, and the people. That's really nice. There's and light, you know. And light, and yeah. And you could, it, you'll find something really magical where the light's just coming forward and if you get right. the actor just there. Yeah, that's yeah. really nice. It's why I like shooting in Europe, which is much more flexible than in the US. In the US, it's, you have the freedom to, to change, you know, to change the... The, the idea how to shoot the scene or to come with something totally new yeah. is more complicated. It's much more, you know, pre, pre-planned. Got you. Got you. Um, do you do a lot of studio builds then with Mr. Jones? I, actually, no. Everything no, with was Mr. Original. Jones actually we didn't do. We, we, shot, uh, we, we built only uh, one compartment of the train we built and we built the uh, George Orwell room. Oh, okay. Mm. Right. The rest was on real location. Wow. And I suppose in Eastern Europe you can find those that do mm-hmm. still look like that as yes. well. And as a director, what's the difference between, you know, shooting Mr. Jones and then doing TV for you? What would be the difference there? Um, you know, on, on, on the future film, you have more of freedom as a director. As the, uh, television became very much the writer's medium. Uh, so mostly you are serving somebody's vision and you are not like creating your own. Mm-hmm. Or to some extent only, it's much more limited. So, uh, actually, I'm, I don't like to... I, I decided not to do too much of series, only if really something which is a real challenge to me. Uh, because um, if you are doing too many series and you have to follow, follow the, the logic of the, you know, of the storytelling very, in, very, in very conventional way somehow... Uh, I think that you are losing your uh, your handwriting. It's, I think that the directors who are doing too many series, they can be very efficient and have the fantastic craft, uh-huh. but it's very difficult for them to, to, to have the real signature. Got you. Yes. And I suppose it, it's not as easy to... Well, the actors have been there the long time on TV and you've got to jump into their world and their characters and that can be yes. difficult. Yes, yeah, but it's exciting also, you know, it's like, you know, exactly it's a bit like, you know, the, the, you are entering the train, train goes someplace, yeah. from someplace, and you are in the compartment and talking to the people you don't know very well or not at all, Yes, and you, like, have the new experience, so it, it is, like, nice interruption between the f- movies, because <coughs> future film takes, like, few years of your life, mm. And it's very tense after when you are finishing because you don't know if if it will meet some audience or how it will be received. And you know that your investment and your time investment is huge. Mm-hmm. And with the series, you can spend some months and have this like you know injection of the energy and and meet some interesting people and try some things. So it's nice to inter 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 you know inter. Uh, cut with 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 the films and series, but too much is too much. It means one have has to be careful. Yes. Um, so, what about filmmakers now who are coming up? How can they sort of break in? Any sort of advice for how they can get their stories out there? What they can do? Anything you've learned over your time? Well, I think that the first at all, uh, they have to know that that there's something which they absolutely need to do. 
that is kind of the profession is so consuming mm. and so demanding and so risky and so challenging that if somebody is not convinced that it's only 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 way for him it's better to find another way so right. that is one thing and when you already are the filmmaker you have to be true to yourself you know you have to be yeah. assertive to understand of course that you are doing compromises every day it's it's impossible to make the movie without compromises but in the same time to always have something which is very important and stick to something which is the most important and also to understand